the passage that we read together a few moments ago, the story that John tells in John chapter 8 is one of my very favorite stories in all of the Bible. In fact, what I remember is back in my high school days when I was first beginning to take Christ seriously in my life, and I read this story, I remember this is when Jesus Christ became my hero because of the way that he dealt with this lady and those people who would condemn her and the gifts that he gave her there. And so I am so looking forward to sharing this message this morning because the truth is there's no way of escaping what had really been happened. She was caught dead to rights. One moment she believed that her adultery was a secret affair, that it would be done under cover of darkness and nobody would ever know. And that would be okay. But the next moment, the room was filled with shouting men who snatched her out of the house so quickly it was all she could do to grab a sheet to cover herself as best she could. And these men, all of them leaders in the community and leaders in the synagogue, hustled her into the public square in the middle of Jerusalem. They threw her to the ground and formed a circle around her as a curious crowd began to gather. It was then that her shock began to be replaced by other emotions. There was the emotion of shame. Somehow or another, she'd always known that what she was doing was wrong. She'd realized it was a sin, that it was something God had told her in his word that she was not to be a part of. But it seems as though as long as it was done secretly within a house, it wasn't so bad. But when it's exposed by the light of day, it became something altogether different. And she was filled with shame. How in the world did I allow myself to get into this kind of a situation? Not only shame, but there was fear. She knew what the law said, that a woman caught in adultery would be, should be stoned to death. It was there in black and white. That's what you do to this kind of a person. But it was only when she saw the figure in front of her that she felt genuine humiliation and real dread. She knew who he was, the teacher, Jesus of Nazareth. She'd heard all the stories about him, just like everybody around her. They were all talking about who he was and trying to figure out what he was all about. But one thing everybody except the temple leaders understood was this. This is a holy man. This is a man who's been sent from God. This is a man who carries the truth. And if it was shameful to be exposed in front of everybody else, to be right in front of this man, this man, when everything about her has been revealed, it was terrible, humiliating. She kept her eyes on the ground and she listened as her accusers confronted the Lord. This woman was caught in adultery in the very act. There's no doubt she is absolutely guilty. The law of Moses says... A person like that should be stoned. And then that question that we read together just a few moments ago. What do you say? What do you say, Jesus? What do you say, teacher? What do you say, holy man? 
What should we do with this woman? They were using her to get to Jesus, to find some reason to accuse him. She didn't really matter. It was Jesus they were after. He was so holy. She was so guilty. What would keep him from agreeing with all those people gathered around him? Why wouldn't Jesus say, you're right. She deserves to die. Do what you have to do. At first, Jesus didn't respond to them at all. He just wrote in the sand. But they just kept on and kept on, kept on. And when they kept challenging him, he stood and he looked around the circle with eyes that saw right into the soul of every man there. He saw the baseball-sized rocks they already had gripped in their hands. And finally he spoke. You remember what he said. He who was without sin among you, let him throw the first stone. She braced herself, waiting for the smashing impact of the first of many rocks that were going to leave her dead and broken. Instead, silence and then she heard the strangest sound and it repeated itself again and again and again it was the sound of stones falling to the ground she looked around to see the oldest and then the youngest of her self-righteous accusers turn and melt away into the crowd until finally the only one there was Jesus himself. But she also knew this. And she still wasn't safe. There was someone there who had every right to cast a stone. And it was Jesus. She had no reason to believe he wouldn't do it. After all, he knew who she was, and he knew what she had done, and she knelt before him absolutely, completely guilty. And there in that dusty square, Jesus gave her three gifts. Gifts that he offers to people still today I think that's why I like this story so much is because her story is our story oh we may not have done what she did we may not have committed her particular sin but all of us know what it's like to stand before the Lord guilty all of us know what it's like to know to do right and do wrong all of us know what it's like to not do right and decide to go a different way. 
All of us know what it's like to stand before the Lord and simply to be able to say to him, I have no excuse. No excuse. And the gift that he gave, the gifts that he gave to that woman on that day are the gifts that you need today and they're gifts that I need today. And they're gifts that we can't earn and they're gifts we don't deserve. So I guess I would call them the gifts of grace. Those things that only Jesus can give you. But more importantly, those things that he wants you to have. So let me talk to you a few minutes about those gifts that Jesus gave to that woman in the middle of the public square. The first thing I see is this. Jesus saw her as a person. This is what the Bible says. It says Jesus raised himself up and saw no one but the woman. It's important to understand exactly what John said at that moment. It says he saw no one but the woman. It wasn't everybody else was gone. Oh, the Pharisees and the Sadducees, they had disappeared. But there were still plenty of curious people standing around. His disciples were there. There were so many people still around him at that moment. But he didn't see any of them. He wasn't paying attention to any of those people. He was only looking, only focused on one person and one person alone. His words were personal and they were direct. Woman, where are your accusers? For the first time, she looked up and found herself captured by the gaze of the Savior. I don't know what she expected to see in his eyes. I'm assuming she expected to see accusation. But instead, she saw a compassion that she had never known and had an experience that was brand new in her life. You see, Jesus was the first one who was seeing her as a person. Before Jesus, her whole life had been filled with people who used her as an object. Her partner had seen her as a means to be used to satisfy his own desires and as nothing more. Her accusers had seen her as a thing that they could use to try to make Jesus stumble. She meant nothing to them. The crowd that had gathered that day saw her as a curiosity, a way to bring a little excitement into a dull afternoon, and they just wanted to kind of gather around and see the show the way people are prone to do. For the same reason that you and I might drive by the scene of an accident and slow down just to look for a little while. But none of those people saw her as a person. It was Jesus who saw her for who she was and not for what she was. He saw a person, a person with broken places in her heart, a person with wounded holes in her soul, a person hungering desperately to be loved. Jesus saw the guilt and the shame and the fear. He saw her as she was. And here's the thing. 
He saw it all, and he did not turn away. She was used to people turning away. You don't want to be seen around that woman. You don't want anybody to see you talking to her in public. You don't want to be seen spending any time at all with her. You need to keep your distance from someone like that. But Jesus looked right at her with compassionate eyes and did not turn away. He gave her the gift, the gift of personhood, the gift of being able to understand not only he knows me, he cares about me, he wants to help me. Because that's the way he is. You know, when Jesus looks at you, he always sees you as you really are. Sometimes I think that one of the things that really causes us to stand back and keep our distance from the Lord is that we don't really believe that. What we really believe is this. You know what? I need to just kind of put on a face before the Lord. I want to give him the image that I think he wants to see. You know, how many times when you, as, as you're bringing your kids to, to church, as I brought my kids to church, do you find yourself pulling in the tr a parking lot and you're going, and I mean you better, better. God bless you, brother. <laughs> it is so good to see you in the house of the Lord today. <laughs> Don't we do that? Don't we always think, I'm going to give Lord the image that I think he wants to see. So I'm going to clean myself up and I'm going to straighten myself out and he'll never see what's really going on inside of me or what's really going on around me. He won't really see that stuff. But he does. He sees every one of us just the way we really are. And he knows where you've sinned. And he sees how you failed. And he recognizes all the things that have damaged your life and stunted your soul. But he looks through all of those things and he sees you personally. Just the way you are. In your heart of hearts. If there's one thing that any of us need in our lives, it is somebody who knows us inside and out and loves us anyway. Don't we hunger for that? Somebody who has seen all the broken places and all the wounded places and they've heard our stories and they know how we failed and they still care. Guess what? And that's Jesus. And right now, right here, today, that's what he sees. He sees your broken places. He sees your sinful places. He knows where you have rebelled and he knows where you've fallen short. And he cares for you. You are the person that he loves. He gave her the gift of personhood, but Jesus was just getting started that day because he gave her a second gift that's so important. He forgave her a gift beyond all gifts. He forgave her. Jesus asked a compelling question, and then he made an even more compelling statement. He asked, where are your accusers? Has no one condemned you? And then he said, 
I don't condemn you either. She knew the Lord had the right to judge her. He had the authority to condemn her. Instead, he forgave her. Isn't that important? Isn't it important to understand what Jesus did with this woman's sin? I think it's so important because this is what he did. He took it seriously. He didn't say to her, oh, you know, bygones, we've got bygones. Everybody makes mistakes now and then. No, he wanted her to know your sin was really sin. It really was rebellion against God. It really was rejection of God's word. It really is a bad thing. And that's important because we need to know God takes sin seriously. He didn't overlook it. He didn't excuse it. He saw it for exactly what it was. And he forgave it. You know, sin is forgiven when sin is revealed. When we recognize he knows it all. And he has chosen to forgive me. What an incredible gift. So many people in this world today are carrying a burden of their sin and they desperately need to be forgiven, but they can't find anybody that will forgive them. In fact, I would say this. The hunger for forgiveness may be the greatest spiritual famine in America today. People desperately need to be forgiven, but nobody will offer them what they need. Oh, they may offer them excuses and they may offer them a, 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 a free pass, but what they need is not to just be overlooked. They don't need their sin to be overlooked. They need their sin to be dealt with and done away with. When I need the forgiveness only Christ can offer, too often I turn to other solutions that will not work. I promise myself, okay, from now on I'm going to do better. I know I messed up this time, but next time's going to be different. I'm going to straighten myself out and I will do better. Or I justify what I've done to myself and try to convince myself it's okay. You know, it's kind of one of those things of on you it looks bad, but on me it's okay. We do the same thing with other people. When other people need to experience the forgiveness of sin that Christ can give, we pretend to overlook it. Or we change the name of sin and act as though everything is okay. We begin to talk about, well, it used to be sin, but it's not sin anymore. It used to be wrong, but now it's right. And because of that, people who are struggling because their lives are closed off because there's sin there that needs to be forgiven, it never gets dealt seriously with. And here's the problem. Neglected sin is like an untreated infection. You can pretend it's not there, but that will not stop the damage that it's doing to your soul. 
think it's important that we see what Jesus did with that woman on that particular day. He did not look at her and say, Can you believe these guys? They were so wrong. They were so judgmental. Somebody ought to do something about them. Because you didn't do anything wrong. You know, what you do in your own private life, that's your own private business. And it's okay if you want to do anything you want to do, as long as you feel okay about it. Jesus didn't say that, did he? Instead, he did what she needed in order to be set free. He identified her sin as sin. It was not a choice. It was not a mistake. It was not her right to decide. It was a sin against God and his word. And then he gave her what she needed the most. He forgave her. Yes, what you did is wrong. Yes, what you did is sinful. Yes, what you did violates the very word of God. And I forgive you. I make you clean. Because only forgiveness has the power to set you free. What she desperately needed was not to be excused and not to be uh, turned loose. She needed to be forgiven. So Jesus gave her this incredible gift, and he gives the same gift to us all of the time. When we recognize who I am and what I've done and how I'm living and the things I'm doing, those things, those things uh, dishonor God. Those things are disobedient. Those things are sinful. And you come to him and you say, Lord, I have messed up. And what does he say? And I forgive you. He saw her as a person and he forgave her. And then he did something else that's really important. The third gift, Jesus gave her a brand new life. He said something to this woman that she needed desperately to hear. You know what he said? He said, go your way and sin no more. You know what he was really saying? What he was really saying was this. You don't ever have to go back to who you used to be. You don't ever have to go back to being the person you were before this day. You can go your way and sin no more. And all of the guilt and all of the fear and all of the shame can be wiped away. By the grace of Christ. He gave her a new heart. And a new life. And here's the thing. Only Jesus could do that. So only Jesus did. I don't think that there's a soul in this room. Who believes that. The day after she encountered Jesus, this woman went back to being the person she used to be. I don't think there's a soul in this room who thinks, she said, well, now I've gotten that taken care of. I'm going back to live that same old sinful life I used to live. I'm going to do the same shameful things that I've been doing, and I'm going to go back to being the person I've always been. I think she was completely changed. And so do you. 
This woman who had had everything wiped away, all of the shame, all of the fear, all of the failure, all of the brokenness. She had an opportunity now to be somebody brand new through the grace of Christ. And that's exactly what she did. He's still the only one who can do that today. His power to forgive, it changes absolutely everything. Not just for one woman, for all of us. Whether you're here today and you're lost and you don't know Christ and you need the forgiveness that leads to eternal life, or whether you're here and you're a believer and you recognize, I've been carrying a burden of unconfessed sin for a long, long time and I've been trying my best to avoid dealing with it. Or whether you're just someone who's recognizing, you know what, I've forgotten who I was in Christ. And I just need to get back to him. Great thing is, Jesus has a gift. A gift of beginning again. And there's never a time when the Lord will ever say to you, nope, you've used up your chances. I'm sorry, I don't care about you anymore. Don't come to me. I tried to stop you before. Instead, when you come with a full heart and an open heart and you say, Lord, look at me. This is who I am and this is how I failed and this is what I've allowed into my life. And He says, forgiven. New life. Go your way and sin no more. That's why the Bible says that Jesus finally looked up from that woman to all of those people who stood around her watching, who had witnessed what he had done for her, who had seen her life transformed before their very eyes, who longed for the same thing to happen in their own lives. He looked at them and he said to them the same thing that he says to you this morning. I am the light of the world. He who follows me does not have to walk in darkness, but can have the light of eternal life. I'm the light of the world. You don't have to live in darkness. Come to the light. The light of Jesus Christ. And the most important thing you need to know is from this story today is this. And nobody will ever care for you like he cares. And he wants you to be forgiven. And he wants you to live in the light. And he wants you to have the eternal assurance that whoever I am and whatever I've done, he can forgive me and he can save me. And I can know what it means to have a heart that's been washed clean by the power of the one who chose not to condemn and made the decision to save. Is that you this morning? Maybe you're here today and you're not a Christian. It may be that you've heard stories about the gospel most of your life, but it's never become personal in your life, and it needs to be. Or maybe you're here today and you're recognizing, you know, I have avoided coming to Jesus because I knew if I did, I was going to have to deal with some of this stuff. And the truth is, that stuff that I thought I couldn't live without has become such a heavy weight on my heart that I don't know how to get free of it. Today you can come and say, 
it's time for me to come to know Christ as my Savior. Or maybe you're here and you're recognizing as a believer, you know what? It's just time for me to admit it. Lord, here's, here's where I've gone wrong. This is where I've failed. This is what I've allowed into my life. And I'm just ready to let it go. Will you forgive me? Will you change me? Or maybe God's calling you to be part of what he's doing here at this fellowship. Or maybe there's another decision you need to make. Just a moment, we're going to stand and sing an invitation hymn. This will be your opportunity to say yes to the one who says, I don't condemn you. Go your way. Sin no more. Will you come to the light of the world? Let's stand together. Let's sing. house i'm glad we got to share this time together what a blessing it's been just a moment we're going to have our closing prayer and then one final song but uh, judith i'm going to ask you as you join me bring sam with you you'll find sam cooper out in the lobby so you'll know him because he's the one that everybody needs to introduce themselves to so take a moment and introduce yourself to him and give him a month before you start going what's my name what's my name okay <laughs> We're so glad, Sam, that you're here to be part of a wonderful ministry staff. And you have no idea what quality folks you're becoming a, a part of. So let's bow together. Let's have a closing prayer. 
And then you make sure and come by and greet him. Father, we do thank you that you're a God full of grace. We thank you, Lord, that you forgive us. Lord, not because we deserve it, but because we need it. And Father, we thank you that when we read this story from so long ago, Father, we find ourselves there. And we find your forgiveness. And we find your promise that when we come to you, there'll always be forgiveness. There'll always be love. And we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.